One of the kindest bits of feedback that we got following the first series of the podcast was that you wanted to hear more from us. So we thought we would introduce a quick fire round. We invited questions on Twitter and now we're going to do our best to answer them. This first quickfire mini episode covers some of the questions we received about the GDL and BPTC and about applications. Over to you, B. Should I take a year off before starting the GDL or the BPTC? What do you think, George? I I personally didn't take a year off before starting the GDL and I think chances are if you don't get a pupillage on the GDL year and most people don't you're going to have to take a year off anyway post BPTC unless you do it part-time so I would be inclined to crack on with your legal studies and then if you find that you've got to take a year off before starting that's great and if you don't you've done extremely well to get pupillage at that early stage my only sort of slight reticence about saying that is that I think that the bar is one of those careers where that little bit of extra maturity goes a really long way and you're definitely not disadvantaged by having had a first career or having done other work so if you can use your summers to work I think that's a really good idea completely agree with everything that you say I think on the whole it tends the problems tend to be how do I fill this unfortunate spare year that's emerged rather than should I take a year off yeah Where should I do the GDL or BPTC? Now, I think this is in many ways a really difficult question because it involves quite a lot of personal choice depending on where in the UK you live, for example, if you want to do it locally to you. I think that it is worth looking at the statistics for each law school to see whether, first of all, how many barristers versus solicitors they take. So you can go to some law GDL providers and actually find that the whole class is full of solicitors. Whereas if you can find one that tends to have more barristers, I think that's to your advantage. And I'd also have a look at their success rate for getting pupillage and factor that into your consideration. You might also want to look at the... I'm talking about the BPTC now, you might want to look at the curriculums that the various providers are offering because you may feel that some of them are more interested in or have a component of business development in their curriculum. Some of them are beginning to look at law and technology and this may be something that you think actually that's attractive to me. Yeah, I think A lot of people ask about doing the BPTC or the GDL in London as opposed to somewhere else. I think if you're interested in practising out of London, then doing it close to where you aim to practise is a good idea because you'll have more access to barristers practising in that area. If actually you want to practise in London and you can afford the very high fees and very high rents in London, there are advantages to doing things in London because unfortunately lots of the things that are available, the inns, the free representation unit, a lot of the pro bono work that there is, is all in London and you will have a better opportunity to do it alongside your studies if you're based in London. Just ends up being easier, doesn't it? Because it's closer. Yeah, it does, unfortunately. So we had one question, which I've been asked a lot of times, which is from somebody who is studying the GDL part-time finishing in June next year, and they're potentially going to start the BPTC in September 2020. And their question is, should I be jumping in and applying for pupillage next round or waiting until I start the BPTC? I fully understand that question. It's, I suppose, down to your own sense of how much time you've got, because 
my unhesitating reply is definitely apply for pupillage because it's going to be good practice. However, undertaking pupillage applications is a large task, as obviously everyone knows. And so you need to be prepared that you're going to take on a difficult, onerous and sometimes a bit of a demoralising mission. But really, I think I've heard over and over again that people get better and better with practice, particularly at interviews, not just at interviews with applications as well, but particularly with interviews. And so if you can get some practice in, then it's only sensible to do so. Yeah, I think that's absolutely right. It's really difficult if you're on the GDL. You can have had literally a matter of weeks of studying any law at all and suddenly you've got to decide what area of law you want to practice and which chambers you're going to apply to as soon as the pupillage applications open and that's a really tall order but I think you're absolutely right that if you if you can get your head around that and if you've got enough on your CV that you think it's worthwhile to make an application or some applications it's it's really good thing to do it will get you practice of doing it hopefully it'll get you practice of interviews and you've got another year if you aren't successful. I remember in the last series Ishan Kolhatkar said that it would be a good idea to have a sort of rolling CV as a work in progress and plainly a sort of practice application is going to stand you in good stead next time round when you think okay right I've at least got the starting point that I can build on now. Yeah I think that's absolutely right. Something else that occurs to me is that a number of our guests have mentioned that they were successful in obtaining pupillage sort of second third time round and again I think that indicates that just because you don't succeed the first time doesn't mean that you won't get there in the end and that to employ a cliche practice makes perfect. I suppose the only note of caution I would sound is that there are some sets where they won't see you a second time around so if you have applied for pupillage there and been unsuccessful you won't be allowed to apply in future now those sorts of chambers will usually advertise that fact on their website so you should know in advance and if there is your particular dream set and you think really that they're out of your league this year you think that you're only really applying for a bit of pupillage um, interview experience and application experience maybe hold fire on your application to that sort of set until you've got a bit more experience and likely to have better prospects of success. Oh, that's good. Definitely check that. <laughs> that would be a bit of a shame to blow it, wouldn't it? We were asked, what difference, if any, is there between a mini-pupillage application and a pupillage application? Well, it's a good question. I think there's, in some ways, there's little difference because both of those applications are looking for the same thing. We're looking for the potential to be a good barrister. But I think it's fair to say that mini pupillage applications tend to be slightly less competitive than pupillage applications. Generally, chambers have the time and space to see more mini pupils than they do to see candidates for interview. So you've probably got a better chance of getting a mini pupillage than you have a pupillage interview. Do you think that's fair? Definitely. And I, I think that in a way, they serve different purposes. A mini pupillage application is so that you can acquire some experience of an area of law and so that you can spend a limited amount of time in chambers. And chambers understand that. So in a sense, the stakes are less high from the chamber's point of view. And so often, whilst of course it's right that 
excellent applicants are always welcome. I think generally the standards are more relaxed. And I suppose substantively the difference between a mini pupillage application and a pupillage application is that you can be a bit more candid in a mini pupillage application that you are merely interested in an area of law you don't yet have experience in it you're not sure it's going to be for you whereas by the time it comes to pupillage applications you've really got to pin your colours to the mast and, and demonstrate your commitment yes no good point so next question if a chambers rejects me for a mini should i still apply for pupillage i think this is quite a tough question because one sort of minded to say no of course you must apply for pupillage if that's what you want but at the same time I think you need to be realistic and if you have been rejected from mini then chances are you're not really going to make it through the first sift as far as the pupillage process is concerned so I would look at your CV see if there is anything that you can do in order to bolster your CV by the time it comes to making the, the pupillage application and if you can make material differences then go ahead and apply for the pupillage otherwise probably best not to because it is then likely to be a waste of a slot yeah I mean I think mini pupillage applications are a pretty good litmus test if you get through a mini pupillage application and get invited for a mini you've got a pretty good chance of being invited for an interview certainly if you've got mini pupillage at that set on your application form that's likely to impress whoever's reading your pupillage application the fact that you've applied for a mini is not something you need to necessarily disclose but I think that if you have been rejected for a mini you need to ensure that your application has improved since then in order to stand any chance of getting a pupillage interview. I think it's probably worth trying to find out from the set how many mini pupillage slots they've got because it's also the case that there are fewer mini pupillages around and so it, it might be just one of those where the set only takes sort of eight a year and it might be that they rejected you because you weren't in the top eight but that doesn't necessarily mean that you're not going to be in the top I don't know 30 in the first shift. Yeah that would be a good question to ask at a pupillage fair because I think if you phone up and ask that sort of question I'm not sure how whether or not you'll be able to get through, put through to the right person to answer it. But I think if you ask at a pupillage fair, that's a very good good time for that sort of question. Yeah. Do chambers consider applicants with two to three years left of study or could I be applying too early? Well, certainly chambers would consider in principle applicants with two to three years left of study. But I think the reality is that your application is unlikely to be as good as those applicants who've already completed their study the one exception to this might be applicants who are coming to the bar as a second career in which case my own personal view is that it completely makes sense to put in your application when you've got two to three years left of study just be aware that it's quite difficult for, for people in interview being asked legal problems being asked to analyze cases being asked to perform advocacy exercises you'll be in competition with people who've simply been practicing more than you have the pupillage applications tend to be for a particular year start so for example the applications that we have just had in early 2019 are for a september or october 2020 start so if you have actually got two years left of study that will be fine but if you've got three years left of study you won't be available to start your pupillage at that time so you need to look and see when the pupillage is due to start otherwise you could definitely be applying too early 
So somebody wrote in and asked, how can I get a barrister to be my mentor through the application process and beyond? There are a number of formal mentoring schemes which the inns run. So for example, Middle Temple has a mentoring scheme. So one way to get a mentor is to get in touch with your inn and inquire about that. Other ways are meeting barristers in perhaps more informal routes, so such as pupillage fairs, events at your inn, other events at which practitioners will be found, and basically just sort of having a chat with people. On the whole, the bar's really keen to help those who are coming up. It's very much part of the ethos of the bar that you offer assistance to people who are hoping to achieve a career at the bar who are more junior to you. And um, using your judgment, really, you'll probably be able to tell if you have had a conversation with someone who might be open to being a mentor. Yeah, I think it's really important to use your judgment because I think if you meet someone at a pupillage fair and you just click and you feel an immediate rapport and you can tell that that person is interested in you and interested in your career and might be someone who's prepared to help, then by all means go ahead and ask them to be your mentor. But I think you've also got to bear in mind that barristers are self-employed practitioners and our time is so valuable. And if everyone who came up to us at a pupillage fair asked us to be their mentor, we would have no time to practice. So I think you've really got to to pick your person with care. I'd say ideally find someone who you know a bit better, perhaps someone you've spent a week with on a mini pupillage or you've happened to have encountered a number of times and feel that you've really built up that rapport. But I think you can't beat the the in schemes for getting a, a formal mentor because then you know that you've got somebody who's willing and happy to help. I think it's important, of course, to be always mindful and respectful of the fact that if you do have a mentor, they're doing this voluntarily and, as George says, kind of at the expense of their own practice. And that goes a long way, sort of being respectful, being mindful of the requests that you make, not making them too onerous, making it easy as possible for them to help you. We hope that you found some of this discussion useful. Stay tuned to hear our second mini episode where we answer more questions about interviews and junior practice, including, embarrassingly, the tales of our worst ever interview experiences.